following program is paid for by the advertiser and does not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of KVI management and staff. Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the Commodore of Chocolate. Uh, does that make any sense? Let's see. Um, I'm sure it does. I am a big aficionado, a big fan of chocolate, as I believe most people are. In fact, uh, most recently, in the last three or four months, I've been actually eating a lot of, of great chocolate. I was in Paris, and, and I bought lots of European chocolate. Uh, and I, I actually was downtown at a uh, Seattle Made Week show. It was a Thursday night. It was an open-air market down in Pioneer Square at Occidental Park. And I happened to uh, meet some great vendors, passionate people who uh, are moonlighting with their passion typically because uh, these small hobbies uh, tend to take a lot of hours and, and, and uh, time and, oh, I should say, hours and, and uh, resources uh, but it's so exciting to to really work on the fruits of uh, your labor, the labor of love, that is. And, of course, chocolate, you know, hey, it does melt in your mouth and not <laughs> in your hand. Uh, but it really, chocolate has been making me feel much better. It's one of those, uh, instead of alcohol, and gosh, I do enjoy uh, my beverages, but chocolate actually adds a little extra something to it. And I think it's really ha- helping my um, mental state and... Uh, it's important as we get into these very gray and dark, oh gosh, we set the clock back and it's great in the morning, but by 4.30 it's dark and what happened? It's just nobody wants to go out, but that's the beauty of staying in and it's November here in the Pacific Northwest. And I had to happen to have, have invited Angie Flatterer, who is uh, with ChocolateSpiel.com. She's actually a German engineer. Uh, I think she works for BMW or Mercedes-Benz, I don't know, I'm kidding, <laughs> but she does have some luxury chocolates, and let's get her onto the show. Angie Flatterer with ChocolateSpiel.com. Uh, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So I took German when I was in second grade, uh-huh. uh, a kinder, right? Uh-huh. Uh, yes. And I I remember all the, we learned all the bad words. I think when you're a kid, you, that's how you learn. That's only the important things, yeah. <laughs> so my, I, have, I can count, of course, uh, and I can call somebody or ask them if they're a pig. Um, but other than that, um, I've been to Germany uh, just once. I haven't been to wine country, and we were talking mm-hmm. actually on our way up about Munich, and uh, you are from the southern part of Germany. Correct, yeah. And uh, you are an engineer. Yes, I'm a chemical engineer. And, Chemicals. Yes. Very good. And you're working here in the in Seattle area? So um, I quit my day job actually um, back in February of this year. So now I'm like doing chocolate full time. Wow. So that's really cool. So you actually made the leap. And w- yes. what was the impetus? You had enough savings to say this is okay for a while? Um, yes. I, I thought, okay, I give it a try. Um, so I quit my um, job that I've had. Um, it was in sales for chemicals. And like, so I was a chemical engineer and developed coatings and paints for cars and like BMW, yeah, so you were right, Um, and things like that, so yeah, Um, yeah, now I... So is there an Angie Blue or an Angie Purple or anything? No, not really. You don't get that that credit? Nope, Mm -mm. it was more functional. Okay. Not the pretty stuff. (laughs) Sounds like a German thing. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about chocolate. How did you find your passion, your love for things that melt? 
Oh, weird. It's super weird, weird story. Um, so we moved in to Seattle in 2016, me and my husband, and I did Theo's chocolate tour. Oh, you did? Yes. yes. Great uh-huh. tour, isn't it? It is such a fun tour. Wow. And um, I saw that they're using the same machines that I was using back in my old job in chemical engineering. You really? Ha- yeah. You have to grind down pigments. You have to grind oh. down cocoa, right? Okay, yeah. So similar machines. Um, and that was like my first thought, oh, maybe I could work in chocolate. But who's working in chocolate? Nobody's working in chocolate. <laughs> so I didn't think much further about it. Um, Oompa Loompas, I thought. Yeah, I thought so too, but no. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, two or three weeks later, um, we stopped by a little uh, store at Pike Place Market to, during our um, um, during our uh, during the chocolate indulgent tour. Have you heard about that one? Yes, that's Indie Chocolate, right? Yes. Yes, they've been on the show. Uh, it's so great oh, yeah. to have such resources to sort of light the fire of, uh, of a chocolate passion, or is it melt your fire? I'm not sure what's happening <laughs> when we talk about chocolate. Uh, theobromide is the active ingredient in cacao, which uh, makes yes. everything feel better? Yeah, well, it's just like caffeine, oh, more or less. It? Yes, like um, a little bit slower and everything, but it's yeah, kind of the same, uh, the same uh, chemical structure, yeah. Okay, so you, you had a couple tours. You said mm-hmm. this, this, you know, people are doing it. Right. And when was you, when did you make your first, when did you buy your first bean and then sort of get into crushing and melting and mixing? Well, actually, um, so uh, we did this tour and we stopped by Indie Chocolate and I worked there as a chocolate maker. Oh, really? Yeah. So during that time, so I started there as an intern. Then um, I got my certification as a chocolatier. Um, and then I worked there as a chocolate Do they give maker. you the little ears, right? The chocolatier? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I... Um, yeah, thought I I'm German, so I have to. Do- so you perfected that craft, right? Because as an engineer, you you found ways to be efficient, or what? Well, I think you have to judge by yourself. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's always room to improve, right? So. Well, there at least there's space to improve. We'll, yeah. You know, we'll call it room. Um, you know, hopefully, and and have you seen? And when was your first bar? When did you make your actual first bar that you wrapped? Like by uh, from my own company, yeah. or oh, my own company probably. Um, Chocolatespiel.com. Probably in November of 2017. Okay. Like my own bar, yeah. Really? Did, did you frame that bar? Is that like... <laughs> no, but actually I have my very first dollar that I made uh, with my own company. I have framed it in my kitchen. Very good. <laughs> yeah. All right. In case It's a break in case of emergency. Nope, <laughs> nope it's not. <laughs> well, good for you. Speaking with Angie Flatterer, who is the uh, Chief Executive Chocolate Officer for the Chocolatespiel.com company. Right. Where are you located? Um, so I'm located here in Seattle. I don't have a store. Or anything. I'm mostly doing pop-ups, events, things like that. Right, and I know last weekend uh, was the uh, great uh, Cho- Northwest Chocolate Festival, the biggest show in North America. Yep. Uh, a really fun time. I'm sure you had a good time there. Of course, yeah. lots of people. I When I went there, I was really wired for literally you know, a day and a half. And uh, that was a big challenge. But it sure, I feel like I got a lot of stuff done. Of course, uh, I did uh, fill myself up with chocolate. And you brought some bars today. Right. Let's talk about your chocolate philosophy. What what kind of, what's your deal? Um, so um, I like to think about chocolate and there's candy and there's chocolate. And my stuff is chocolate. Um, there's like this milky, creamy stuff that all goes into... Hershey's Kiss? Yes, exactly. That's the things that goes into candy, but I make chocolate. So, um, I make 78% dark chocolate. I also have one uh, vegan milk chocolate. Um, so everything is vegan. You said vegan milk chocolate? Uh Uh-huh. You will try it later. That's the last one. (laughs) Is that coconut milk? Yes, it's coconut milk. I was going to say. And cashews. All right. Very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so how many bars or how many different expressions of chocolate are you producing? 
Oh, well, I, I'm always buying new beans. So right now I have probably seven different origins or so. Ah. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a, a giant company you go to or do you have to search on site and look for Costa Rican or... Uh, uh, Nambian or whatever these chocolate sources are. I know there's the subtropical of yeah. 20 degrees either way, north yeah, or south. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how do you find, is there like a ch- Chocolazon or Amazon for chocolate? Kind of, is there? kind of. Um, yeah, so there's a chocolate alchemy. Um, it's just a website, um, like a supplier, they buy in like uh, bigger quantities and sure. then you can... Yeah. Okay, that's good. That that makes it easier, of course, and of course, it makes it also uh, so much more accessible. And how many different origins are there? Do you think on that website? Oh, I would say at least twenty. At least twenty. I would say so. Okay, that doesn't sound. I, I was expecting a hundred. No, no. I mean, it's not that big. There are not so many chocolate makers out there that make, um, yeah, from scratch chocolate from scratch. Ah. Okay, except here in the Northwest, it's Yeah, seems. well, Seattle. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you know, when you that uh, chocolate festival, there were a lot of different producers from around yes. the country, which was right. really interesting. And you find that everyone is a very like-minded individual, look as a passionate person looking for a high quality, but also an expression of the source, which I think is really important. Yes. Now, is the sugar as important? As the source? Well, um, so I made some experiments with uh, monk fruit sweetener and also with coconut sugar. Um, So, yeah, it's super important. If you just um, have, like, regular cane sugar, um, you will not have any differences, but... Yeah, right. It's still sucrose. Yeah. Uh, I hear palm sugar is quite a popular um, ingredient. Is it's that cheap. not the case? It's cheap. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it's not the best for nope. the economy. Neither nope. is sugar. Okay, let's get into the tasting here. I've got four samples. Are we tasting this side first nope. or this side? No, nope. we taste Tanzania first. It's- Tanzania. Mm-hmm. All right, never been. Okay, this is a very dark looking chocolate. In fact, these are all a different hue. Yes. Tell me about this chocolate, Tanzania. Um, so I would say that's probably the chocolate bar that um, most wine lovers like because it tastes a lot like cherries and grapes. It has acidity too. Yeah, it has acidity. It is fruity. What kind of acidity is it? Well, so um, I mean it's fruity, so I'm always feeling like cherries and, um, and uh, yeah, grapes. I would say that. It's not citric acid. No. Is it malic acid? Oh, no, it's um so it depends. So there are um, a lot of volatile acids in there. Um so we're talking about um acetic acid and acetic acid and butyric acid. Butyric. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. cuz acetic acid is vinegar, right? Yes. Exactly. It doesn't taste like vinegar to yeah. me. No. <laughs> um it melts slow. Mm-hmm. It's a little grainy, which gives it some texture, which mm-hmm. I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly dark. And it starts off fruity, but it finishes with more roast notes. Exactly. Yes. How about that? All right. I'm yes, a wine guy. sounds good. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Your bars are nice and petite. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's almost, you're tempted to have the whole thing, but they're so powerful, so rich, yes. and so decadent. You can, you can just have a couple bites. The next chocolate we have is? That's from Indonesia. Indonesia. Uh-huh. Interesting. You know, it... Because Indonesia, is a lot, there's a, mu- a lot of Muslims there, I believe. I wonder if chocolate is a big part of the Muslim community. Anyway, I digress. Tell me about this Indonesian bar. So, actually, I wouldn't have it with a wine. I would have this one with an IPA, cider, really? something bright, because it tastes like passion fruit and mango and is a lot brighter in taste. Right. And when you think of um, IPA, we talk about hoppiness and exactly. a lot of the citrus flavors yes. come from that. Exactly. Mm. And here I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm tongue-tied, kind yes. of. Yes. How how are they different? Is it just the, the, the soil? It's the soil. It's the weather. It's how they, uh, beans are fermented. Beans are fermented. Mm-hmm. Okay. How I'm roasting them. Interesting. And it's a slow roast, like coffee process, right? Um, yes, but you um, roast uh, cocoa 
way more uh, sensitive. So um, shorter and like um, less temperature. Less temperature. Okay. Yes. Wow, this is yummy. I can actually feel a little bit of uh, energy coming yeah. from that. This one, this next chocolate, has a colorful little uh, design on top. It's pretty neat. What's this one? So that's chocolate from Uganda. Oh, Uganda, eh? I see. And they love their colors there. Yes. Mm. How did you put the colors on it? Um, so I'm just um, yeah, using colored cacao butter and um, yeah, painting oh. the molds. So that's like kind of my combination with or like my, my relationship to paints and coatings. Yeah. Right. The uh, yes. pigments. Yeah. Mm, this one is very unique. Mm-hmm. So if you pair this with a nice port wine, it almost tastes like nougat. Nougat? It's super crazy. Interesting. It Look, you've crazy. done some research. Well, I'm also giving chocolate and wine pairing classes. Oh, how do we the, find those? Uh, at the wine outlet. The wine it. outlet. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Great. Uh, Richard Kinsey yes. is uh, hosting that. Great guy. Been around a long yes. time. That Uganda one is really, really interesting. Yes. I love that. Okay, mm-hmm. we have one more chocolate here. This is? The vegan milk chocolate. The vegan. Yeah. All right. Okay, good. You want to get everybody involved with the yes. chocolate. Everyone deserves a the yeah. old bromide moment. And it's strong ground, so you have some texture in there. Oh, the coconut really comes uh-huh. through. And the cashew. Man, I kind of want to go vegan right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mm, I do like the cashew. Mm-hmm. It certainly has different textures, right? A little more Kosher. chew, um, yes. but it also dissolves a little quicker. Yep. I think that because coconut is a very, mm-hmm. what's the word for it? Well, it's just melting really, yeah, melt really fast. Yeah, yeah, the melting point. Wow. When? How often do you do wine and, and chocolate classes, pairing classes? Um, About like every couple of months. I think I think the next one is in February, r- around Valentine's Day. Okay. Of very good. It sounds, <laughs> how long are they? An hour? Uh, two hours. Two actually. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Super cool. And is it a, a cost to, to participate yep. and then you can mm-hmm. buy some wines and some chocolate? Yes. yes. Um, what's the cost? It's um, 25 bucks. Hey, that's cool. For yeah. two hours of chocolate and yeah. education and, and some wine. Mm-hmm. My goodness. You have um, a really fun job. Congratulations, Thanks, um, yeah. Angie Fleiderer of chocolatespiel.com. Wow, what a treat. Congratulations. Are these the only four bars you produce? No, I, I have way more. Way more? Yeah. Well, then we'll have to have you come back. Will you come back and uh, allow sure. me to talk with my mouth full? Sure. <laughs> wow, <laughs> so that. cool. It's chocolatespiel.com. you got to check out the classes over at the Wine Outlet on, where are they? Um, Elliot? Is it Elliot? I think it's Elliot. Elliot Avenue. Uh, mm-hmm. Angie Flatterer, thank you so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Hey, folks, stick around. We've got, um, we got some really cool wine education stuff coming up from the Wine and Spirits Educational Trust. So stick around. We'll be right Right back on Happy Hour Radio. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show. Live and local. Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia. Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, uh, just is still enjoying that fabulous chocolate from Chocolate Spiel and my new friend Angie. Uh, Great stuff. you got to check it out for that wine and chocolate pairing classes over at Wine Outlet. Uh, and if you'd like to learn more about uh, the world of wine and spirits, uh, there is a fantastic organization out there, one of several which I recommend. And this one is actually uh, founded, has its history founded in uh, England, of course, has expanded to the Americas. And, of course, I understand Hong Kong. It is the Wine Spirits Educational Trust, the WSET. And I'm pleased to have the uh, 
the business develop advisor for the Americas, Miss Christine Dalton, who is a WSET diploma holder, and we're going to chat about perhaps giving the gift of wine for the holidays. Hey, Kristen Dalton, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you so much, Christopher. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, my pleasure. It's always fun to talk to another educator. And, of course, uh, I have not ever taken a, a class or a tutorial with the WSET. But let's talk about um, about the history of the WSET. When, A-C-S-E-T. when was it founded? Yes, yeah, so, so we've been around since 1969. We're actually celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. Um, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, and we were originally founded in London for the the drinks industry. It was more of a trade education organization. Uh, but today, we're now the largest provider of qualifications in wine, spirits, and sake all around the world. So today, we're offering uh, courses in over 70 countries um, with over 800 course providers. So we've, we've grown quite a bit in the last 50 years. I'll say, and uh, as uh, just as much as the industry itself, uh, the spirits industry is booming, and we've seen the trends, whether it be, of course, uh, single malt scotch and flavored vodka and boutique uh, artisan bourbons. Uh, of course, the wine industry is exploding here in Washington State. We can talk about boasting over 1,000 wineries. Holy smokes. Crazy. Um, it's really exciting. Tell me about when you got the, you first became uh, entranced with uh, this idea of um, vitis vinifera and <laughs> distillation. <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, I was originally, um, I got into wine when I was in college. I was a government journalism major. Wow. Um, realized working in politics sounded horrible. Um, I took a wine class my last semester and said, this is much more enjoyable. Let's do this instead. Um, Vino Veritas, so I, right? That's what it ex- is. Exactly. Um, so I was living in New York City at the time after I graduated I started volunteering at Aster Wines and Spirits, a oh, fantastic yeah. wine store, yeah, um, doing some educational classes for them. I mean, not teaching them, cleaning up glassware and, you know, pouring, <laughs> that kind of thing. Earning your stripes, I get it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I got a role with uh, Wine Spectator magazine, where I used my journalism background and got to use some of my new wine knowledge to write as an assistant editor for them for a few years. And then I took a role as a wine ambassador, which is a, kind of a silly title, but it was a fantastic job with a, a larger wine and spirits uh, global company. Uh, and as a wine ambassador, I was tasked with educating um, our consumers, our workforce, our distributors on our products. So I had to have my own set of knowledge, uh, and I enrolled in WSET Level 2. Um, so that was about three years ago, and I very much got the WSET bug, continued on to level three, and then diploma. And then about six months ago, I actually started working for the company. So I, I, I'm very much a believer in our mission here. Uh, I, me, uh, me as well. I think it's fantastic. And of course, to have a curriculum is really uh, a wonderful thing. You know, studying with the Court of Master Sommeliers, it's more of an on-premise. You learn, you serve, you you have to taste, but there's no real curriculum. They say, hey, there's a thousand books you should read, yeah. and well, then we'll ask you some questions. Let's talk about uh, the first level, because when we talk about a good foundation or a strong introduction to the world of wine and spirits, the WSET has a level one, which is a great gift. Tell me about this. Yeah, so level one, I think, is a fantastic introduction to the world of wine or spirits or sake. We actually have a sake level one as well. Um, it gives students kind of a 
basic knowledge of the types and styles of the product and how they're made. So you don't have to have any sort of background um, knowledge at all, whether you're in the trade or you're just an enthusiast. Um, you don't have to do any sort of pre-studying um, for this exam. You learn everything typically in a day. Sometimes it's broken up over two days. Um, you taste a lot of different samples. You do some wine and food pairing. So, yes, you're learning a lot, but our level one, I'd say, is probably our most most fun course. So you could definitely <laughs> give it as a gift and not have it be a burden for, for the recipients that they have to, you know, get to studying right away. It's something you can do all in a day and, and think, I would say, have a pretty good time doing it. Well, I guess the pressure's off. and I'm sure the pass rate is pretty uh, pretty high because, of course, it's an introduction and you're not asking them real difficult questions. But is there a final exam for that to actually pass? There is. There is. And it's usually done the same day as the course. Um, it's all multiple choice. Um, and I, I would I would agree most people pass uh, our level one. I mean, if they're if they're paying good attention and, right. and tasting all their samples, not swallowing um, or <laughs> it, it's up to them. <laughs> I, won't, I won't judge. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a nice gift for a day, especially something if you wanted to do it with I'm actually giving it to my uncle for Christmas, um, so I might attend with him. Uh, he's a big wine aficionado. Okay. Uh, so something a little different. Well, it'll be fun to see what he knows, because I think what's great about attending some of these courses and, and uh, sitting down to hear um, a, a great curriculum uh, is or syllabus is that you find out what you don't know. I mean, we all know yeah. a lot, and uh, th- I think that is really the best part of learning is like, you need to learn what you don't know, which uh, then you figure out, like, okay, I got to learn that, which is super exciting. And when we talk about learning, of course, you have some online courses, but we want to be with people. We want to share it. We want to be able to ask questions in person and get that answer because we all about immediacy these days. Are there some local providers here in the Pacific Northwest that can help uh, uh, help us achieve that uh, successful pass on that WSET level one? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Joel Butler is a master of wine, and he has what we call an APP, an approved program provider, someone who can offer our courses um, called Wine No, located in Redmond. Um, and that's W I N E K N O W Wine yeah. Kno. I got it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good clarification. Thank you. <laughs> um, we have the Wine and Spirit Archive out of Portland. Another fantastic APP, and they offer courses kind of all throughout the Pacific Northwest region. And she's been. And that's was, Mimi. She's been doing that for many, many years now. Because I remember learning about this ten years ago. Yeah, Mimi's a veteran. She has been teaching our courses for over ten years. Um, She's, she's incredibly knowledgeable, uh, a really great educator. Um, and then I'd say you can also go on to our website, www.wsetglobal.com. And we have a page on the site called Where to Study. You can type in your zip code and what course you want to look, uh, you want to study. Um, and you'll see a full list of all the providers that are in your region. So fun, uh, WSETglobal.com and uh, the www. That's a lot of W's. If you, that's almost you got to like, get all the W's. got to get them all in. <laughs> um, super exciting. And if you wanted to pr- progress, is this a quarterly kind of exam? Could I jump into WSET level two and then three? Or is this a kind of a two-year campaign or a four-year kind of campaign? Uh, how long would it take to matriculate through the, uh, the whole curriculum? Yeah, so with every level you uh, you step up to, the, the time spent 
studying and, and taking the courses really increases. Like I said before, level one's about six hours of studying, um, whereas our diploma, which is our level four and our highest certification, our qualification, uh, takes about 500 hours of study. Oh. Uh, so, so level one, you can do in a day. Uh, level two might be over the course of a couple of weeks, level three a bit more. Level four, our diploma, takes anywhere from about a year and a half to two and a half years. So it's quite the commitment as you climb the ladder. Uh, but then again, it's up to up to the person taking the course how much uh, they want to pursue. And I, I find a lot of people kind of get hooked. <laughs> I'm and, sure. Uh, you you want to get all the way to the top. Yeah, because it's fun learning when you're tasting. And, and it's actually, you know, you great history, great uh, uh, view into culture, of course, that you learn about the food. And that has a lot to do with all the European wines. And, of course, we talk about sake, which is, is for the most people, uh, a total mystery. It's great to have some clarification um, in, in that particular beverage category. Um, w- you started with level two. Did you have a? You said, "Hey, you know what? I know enough." Or can we? Can some people say, "Hey, you know what? I've I took a court of masters intro level. I can probably you know pass level two. Is that something you might recommend, or is or is one really the solid foundation for most people that they should learn? No, I'd say especially if you're in the trade and you have some some wine or spirit background, um, level two is a, a perfectly fine place to start. Um, on our website, we have what we call our specification, which is basically a syllabus for each course. Um, so I recommend people who may be taking courses um, with other organizations kind of look what we cover in each level, um, and you can kind of gauge for yourself where you think you'd fit into that. We even have some people who are, are kind of higher uh, knowledge level that start with level three. Um, oh. So the only level where we have a prerequisite is our diploma where you have to have passed our level three to enroll in our diploma course. Makes sense. You want people to uh, to succeed. Uh, Christine yeah. Dalton, the uh, business development ambassador for the Americas of the Wine Spirits Educational Trust. Uh, the website is wsetglobal.com. You can find all sorts of courses and instructors and opportunities to learn more about this fabulous world we live in uh, when it comes to wine and, of course, moderation. And Christine Dalton, hey, what a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Absolutely. It's a pleasure for me as well. Thank you, Christopher. All right. Happy holidays. Hey, folks, uh, give the gift of knowledge. It's something you keep forever for the most part. And I tell you, the studying is super fun. You can do your own research and you can impress your friends. Hey, folks, we got a lot more coming up. So stick around. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Some say three is a crowd. We say the more the merrier. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Weekdays, 9 to noon, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. We went from chocolate to the Wine Spirits Educational Trust, and, uh, well, that got my whistle wet. (laughs) Or I should say I'm wanting to wet my whistle. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I had the pleasure of meeting a super cool cat. His name is Jeff Duckhorn, uh, not associated with Duckhorn Winery, but he is the uh, head distiller for a really cool um, distillation company called Redwood Empire. And we had a delicious uh, chat and uh, some great sips of uh, both rye and bourbon and the blend uh, over at Babar, um, which I wasn't sure if I'd never been, but the food is fantastic there. And, of course, this whiskey blew me away. Super impressed. Jeff Duckhorn's on the line. Hey, pal, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. 
Hey, thanks so much for having me. Glad to be on. Glad to be on, to have you on, and I know that you're down in that uh, that burnt-out California area, and luckily you're safe and sound. Uh, I know that uh, we, we missed a chance to chat earlier because of all those raging fires, and I'm glad it's under control. Uh, but, of course, we know that fire is key, or heat is key to distillation. Let's talk about how you got involved in being a head distiller. What's the background? Sure. I mean, in, in a, as little words as possible, it's a bit of a wayward path for myself, but I, I've been uh, doing this for about five years now, uh, making whiskey, gin, vodka, a few other things here and there. But my actual, my background is in uh, finance and accounting. And uh, that's where I started out with our company. It's a wine and spirit company and was uh, crunching the numbers. And, you know, that's fine and good. And I've done that for other jobs. But really, my passion lies in making stuff. And, and I was going home at night and, and making stuff and drinking wow. and playing and making beer and kombucha and other stuff and really looking to apply that to my day to day job. And uh, luckily, our owner was um, at the same time expanding out into spirits. And so it was kind of this happy confluence where I was able to slide out of accounting and slide into production and quickly became the uh, head distiller for our uh, distiller here at Grayton Spirits Company. Uh, and it's been quite a ride. Redwood Empire. Very cool. I was concerned that you said, hey, I see that other distiller is making too much money. I will do it for less. <laughs> Being the yeah, number yeah, cruncher, exactly. right? Uh, well, that's good for you. And uh, you had a little home practice. Um, are you still doing the home thing or do you just take a little something from work and uh, just pretend? Well, not as much now. I mean, I used to make five gallons of beer at a time, and now we're making about 1,500 gallons of beer a day to, to distill off. And so really uh, different different scale here at the distillery. So I, I still tinker at home here and there, but for the most part, I keep it here at work. Very good. And when we think about uh, making five, 1,500 gallons of beer, uh, how much grain does that take? And what happens to the spent grain? Is that going to a bakery or is that going to a farm? Yeah, great questions. Uh, so it takes about 4,000 pounds of grain, give or take, based on our recipes. Uh, today we're actually we're making a, a rye uh, mash that's a heavy malt content. So it's legally rye, about 52% rye with a ton of malt barleys and some really fun specialty malts, uh, a little bit of caramel and some uh, darker style malts to just get some extra flavors popped in there. And so that, that uh, 4,000 pounds of grain stays with the mash throughout the fermentation and then after fermentation, we strip that off and get a pretty dry grain, and that uh, goes into a big bin we have on the uh, corner of the facility, and about once a week that gets shipped off to a local pig farmer. So we've got some very happy pigs down the road. <laughs> I wonder if that has an influence, because they say the Blackfoot pig, of course, in Spain eats plenty of acorns and has a great, uh, rich flesh. Um, I wonder if that might translate to some of the flavors <laughs> in some of those swine. <laughs> I, I imagine I haven't got a taste in it yet, but I've heard it's pretty tasty stuff. The uh, the spent mash has got quite a bit of alcohol in it, so if nothing else, they're very happy pigs. Well, these days, I guess quid pro quo is something we want to have happen, right? <laughs> Maybe you need oh, to oh, yeah. have an exchange there. Anyway, uh, let's talk about some of the distillations that you produce. I know we talked that you have your products here, Redwood Empire, available up here in the Pacific Northwest. Let's talk about the two bottles that I don't have in front of me. One was called the Pipe Dream. The pipe dream, yeah. So the, all three of our current expressions out to market under Redwood Empire are blends. And so we're, we're uh, laying down quite a bit of whiskey here in-house, but we're also, we've been outsourcing and we're continuing to source some beautiful whiskeys from across the country. And so the two, uh, that uh, the pipe dream is a blend of uh, different bourbons, different ages from different places. So you're looking at 
anywhere from four to 12 years old. Uh, there's our California whiskey is going to be that four year old stuff. And then we've got uh, bourbons from uh, Indiana, Tennessee, and Kentucky all the way up to 12 years. So it's a really fun, complex blend that just uh, is, is a great sipper. I really enjoy it that. It was. One. I remember tasting it. That was really just, I, I like when I'm blown away and um, it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, <laughs> it's a super treat for me. That was really delicious. And I thought the prices were quite reasonable. Was that in the $40, $55 range or something? Yeah, we're trying to be under, you know, in that in that 40 to $50 range. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Something you can take home every day and drink on a Wednesday night. <laughs> I guess, yeah, an everyday purchase. I love that because uh, it's so good you just don't want to stop. Maybe that's what it is. You have exactly. a rye blend you mentioned, or a rye bourbon blend as well. Which one is this? Yeah, so the the Lost Monarch is our rye bourbon blend. I'm personally a huge rye fan, and you're seeing more of it out in the market, and that's a great thing. I think it's really fun to cocktail with. And so our blend is uh, is a blend of both rye and bourbon. Again, different ages, anywhere from uh, 3 to 12 years old. The ryes are typically the younger stocks, and they add just a real nice spice level to it. It's about 60% rye. So this one's great in cocktails. Really fun in an old fashioned or Manhattan. It's just, it's got a nice level of spice, but then that 40% bourbon uh, really helps round it out and give it some nice uh, length to it. And so it's not going to totally knock your socks off. You know, from a commercial um, uh, perspective, as a huge company, do you have like the spectrometer? Are you able to measure lactones and um, phenols or terpenes that, are, that exist within a specific, specific distillation? Yeah, we've got some pretty uh, nice equipment here at the lab, uh, being a, a larger winery and now a distillery. Uh, we've got some cool toys. So, yeah, we do get to play with and run the spectral analysis and really kind of dig into some of the details of it. And it, uh, it really helps us in, in formulating our blends and figuring out where we want to make our cuts and whatnot. Uh, you know, I really enjoy this. I've got the bottle of Emerald Giant Rye Whiskey before me. But I'm curious, um, you know, there's not a lot of uh, ingredients listed on most uh, bottles of dis- dis- distilled spirits. Why is that, do you think? Um, I mean, I think people kind of like to keep their recipes, you know, close to the hilt uh, is, is part of the part of the reason, you know. And then there's, there are differences batch to batch. I mean, the bottle you've got in front of me, I mean, I, I hate to play favorites uh, being the, the guy that makes them all, but really that's my baby. I, I, I do love rise, and this one's pretty special to me because it's got um, a pretty big component of our in-house distilled rye. And similar to what we're actually uh, mashing today, it's got some of those fun – uh, malts, you know, those beer malts, those really kind of cool, tasty, flavorful beer malts uh, in the in the mash and distillation. And that just adds some complexity to it. But, uh, you know, we have all these different barrels we're working with in the blend. And so it'd be a little hard to put all that information on the label. So, okay. I don't know. That's probably one reason I would I would guess that details can be a little bit more sparse. Sure. It makes sense to me. And um, I, I like the idea of when you think about beers, of course, the whole craft brewery movement has has given us a huge different color palette of flavors and and uh, of textures, I should say, and uh, and that is based on the amount of roasting to specific malts. Of course, crystal malts and uh, pale otter and caramel malts. It's it's really exciting time for um, because whiskeys, or I should say, most alcohol starts with a beer a beer wort or a wash, right? And then, of course, it's distilled. And you use copper distillation, or are you a continuous still? What's what's the uh, proprietary <laughs> method? Well, not necessarily proprietary, but we do have a, a beautiful uh, smaller continuous column. We, we kind of refer to it as our micro column, but it is about 20 feet tall, so if you can call that micro. But it is a continuous column setup, um, and it really does a great job for us. It's got some pretty specialized bells and whistles on it where we can really dial in our heads and tails cuts and and it is it is uh copper 
internal. So ah. uh, we do get that nice copper influence, which is pretty critical for your single first pass distillation. I agree. And I think that's, to me, we never think about that. We think it's either pot or calm. Who would ever thought that calm actually has that great alchemy copper inside, which uh, helps... Uh, um, extract some of the cogeners that aren't quite as favorable, but it has a great uh, um, way with uh, whiskey. Now, my uh, host here gave me a, pay, a piece of um, candied bacon with spice, and I'm just really in heaven right now. It's a late Saturday night. <laughs> Not that late. Of course, it is dark out for whatever reason, daylight savings time. But um, Redwood Empire, of course, that's why your stills are 20 feet, because you're named after Redwoods, and of course, you have to be tall. Uh, what's a website, Jeff? Uh, it, it, it's uh, Redwood Empire is is probably I think you can just Google it, but I think it's Redwood Empire Distilling is probably our main site uh, that you or just Google Redwood Empire whiskey and it should pop up right, right there for you. Excellent. So we can see a, a host of different products that you produce and distillations expressions we should say. Uh, and is there an opportunity to purchase? Uh, do you have a, like a shop online? No, we don't. Spirits unfortunately are a little bit harder to uh, get online at least as it stands now hopefully that'll change as time goes on but uh we are we have made our way up to the northwest and we are getting more and more distribution up there so if it's not in your local bottle shop just uh tell them hey you need to have redwood on the shelf and and hopefully they'll get that for you wow i'm looking at redwoodempirewhiskey.com it's a cool website hey man jeff great to reconnect congratulations on producing some outstanding product the emerald giant rye whiskey here in my glass wish you were here to join me but uh we'll connect again thanks so much for joining me happy hour radio Cheers, Chris. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, folks. Hey, we're going to have a little uh, wrap-up here, but uh, i got to finish this beautiful whiskey, and it lingers, so I want to go slow. I'll catch you on the other side of Happy Hour Radio. He's live. He's local. He's all Northwest. Lars Larson. Weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to our fourth and final segment. Hope you got something tasting your glass. We went from chocolate to education to spirits. Now we are back to wine with uh, one of my longtime favorite people is Craig Luthold. His lovely wife, Vicki, and him have started the Mary Hill Winery back in 1999. They opened their doors down in uh, Goldendale, Washington in 2001. And they've been opening doors not only for the uh, wine lover, the aficionado, but for people who love to uh, go into tasting rooms. I know they've had a couple of tasting rooms in Vancouver, I think Portland. But now, hey, they're up here in Woodenville. Craig Luthold, hey, welcome back to Happy Hour. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Christopher. Thanks for having me. I know. Here you are on a Saturday night working your tail off. Uh, Woodenville, wow, you'd think there wasn't any more space for a tasting room up there. How'd you find a space in Woodenville? Well, it's a really, uh, pretty fun story. Um, we had been looking for a space for about a year, and uh, we just couldn't quite find the right location. And then out of the blue, I get an email from a person I'd worked with years ago who tried to find us a space up here. And now all of a sudden... Uh, we are the proprietors in the Hollywood Schoolhouse. It's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. Hey, the, the school bell rings. <laughs> That's a Pavlog dog thing, I think. you could... Absolutely. Uh, uh, how many tasting rooms is this now? Is this five? This is uh, number four. Actually. Number four. Uh, our first satellite tasting room uh, was in uh, Spokane, and then in April we opened up Vancouver, and now we're uh, 
going to be opening or we're going to be open in Woodenville. Uh, awesome. And of, of course, it is Saturday night and uh, we are chatting just before the doors open. But what uh, tell me about the space. Um, did you have to redesign it? It's got new colors. I know there have been a few places. Was that previously uh, Alexander Nicole? Well, well, they're in the basement. They're okay. still here. Uh, we're taking the top two floors. It's a total of 10,000 square feet. Oh, my. So the main floor will be our public tasting room, and the top floor will be reserved for our club members and also for private events. Ah, so they get the penthouse suite, huh? How tall Absolutely. is the uh, schoolhouse? You know, uh, it was actually built in 1912, uh, and interestingly enough, uh, we've already had some ghost sightings in here. The uh, Previous tenants told us that uh, we would uh, find them, and two of our employees were here late at night. There was all kinds of funky stuff going on, and there's really only one explanation, that uh, we've got <laughs> some previous tenants. Oh, wow. That's, I just got a little goose pimples, man. That's, uh, that, that made the hair on my uh, arms rise. I'm pretty sure the studio doesn't have any ghosts of uh, talk, <laughs> talk hosts past. Um, that's a huge property for 10,000 square feet, um, and, of course, you have – what, 46 wines now? How many wines is oh, Mary Hill producing? More than, more than 60 now. Wow, more than 60. Holy more smokes. More than 60. Yeah, we're working with more than 35 different varieties of grapes. And, and then, of course, we've got our uh, horizontals of things like Cabernet and Syrah and Merlot, where uh, we've got uh, five to seven representation of those types of varietals from, from all over uh, the uh, Columbia Valley. You know, Walla Walla and Horse Seven Hills and Red Mountain and the Wall Luke Slope and up there on Elephant Mountain. So uh, we actually have 20 different vineyards that are represented in the wines of Mary Hill, and uh, we cover eight of the 14 Appalachians in those wines. Holy smokes, and now you're close enough for us to enjoy that. Now, are all 60 wines represented, or on both floors at least? I know that you have a bunch of wine club-only selections, I imagine. We do. Um, we have uh, about a dozen wines that are just for the club and some library wines that will just be poured upstairs, although we will have sneak peeks periodically that uh, we'll be pouring downstairs just to give, give people an idea of what those wines are like. Uh, but we have more than 50 wines that people can taste uh, on the main floor. There will be a rotating flight every month. We'll be uh, coming up with a new flight, and so there'll be about uh, eight wines or so that will be poured regularly uh, in our main tasting room, and then a few bonus wines upstairs if you're uh, club members. Excellent. Well, let's talk about how to get upstairs. Uh, how do you become a club member of Mary Hill Winery? Well, it's a uh, $50 uh, initiation fee during our first uh, week that we're open. Uh, we're actually going to offer half off on that, and uh, then you get uh, three cases a year of wines uh and pretty much because of the depth and breadth of our portfolio, we don't repeat. So you're going to get lots and lots of different selections throughout the course of the year. And uh, for the premium club membership, there's three different tiers, a red-white tier, an all-red tier, and our reserve tier, which is pretty much all vineyard series and reserve wines. Right. And you have uh, established huge accolades with the fantastic winemaker Richard Batchelor. I think, is a newlywed, right? Did he get married recently? Just, well, he's getting really close. He's engaged. Oh, so, okay. Uh, I think there's a date set for uh, next summer. Uh, of course, during harvest, he got engaged right before harvest, and then mum was the word because, of course, he had his uh, – 
his elbows up to must all the whole time. He had that bit on and make it a bunch of wine. Well, congratulations on welcome up here to uh, Woodenville. Uh, I know that you'll have a fantastic opening, and I can't wait to visit it myself. Craig Luthold with Mary Hill Winery. Um, and the website is maryhillwinery.com, right? It sure is. Absolutely. Uh, well, congratulations. I can't wait to get up there. And uh, thanks again for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Hey, folks, you have to check it out. A brand new, we'll call it a birth announcement, right? It's Mary Hill Winery up in Woodville. Um, hey, it's always worth it. It's uh, November and December. Get your, get your tail up there and always have a, well, remember, when you're out and about, uh, life is always better with a designated driver. Hey, don't forget our website, happyhourradio.net. Cheers.